0: To give
1: it the views expressed on this episode of Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with Chris Schroeder do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or our affiliates. KHLT is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Tell my mama and tell my father that, that fine young son. Now, here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man.
0: Well, greetings, family, and welcome to Walking Through the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions with myself and, of course, Chris Schroeder. And as we're taking you uh, through this uh, wonderful book that is uh, AA Conference Approved Literature, and we are going to be talking about Step 5 today, but, but Chris is uh, on the line with me, and he'll probably uh, talk a little bit about what we did last week. Chris, welcome once again. Hey Monty, how have you been this week? It's it's been an excellent week. It's been uh, the old back has been actually behaving itself, and uh, it. I got to tell you, when when you're getting you know in your late fifties and upward, it's a good day when everything physically is. On, are in tune, you know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. You know, yeah. like when you're uh, when you're younger, Monty, and you have problems with a knee or a, a foot or a hip or something, uh, the surgeons will swoop in and uh, you know reconstruct <laughs> everything, and you you'll you'll be you'll be back to your fighting form very quickly. You know, when you get up in your 50s and above. Yeah, you go in and they they just basically look at the X ray and go, yep, yep, it's uh, it's history.
0: <laughs> you know?
1: and, and you're like, well, is is that it? You know, there's nothing you could do. Well, right. you know, you could probably stretch or something, but that's not really going to help.
0: No, <laughs> I, you
1: know, it's 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 like a whole different ballgame when you start to get older. Yeah,
0: basically, it's lose some weight and go swimming.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and, about it. <laughs> and, and deal with the pain. You, yeah. you know, deal with the pain.
0: All right, so what are we doing, Bud?
1: You know, we're we're on step five. Uh, the last several weeks, we went through uh, steps one through four out of the twelve and twelve, Monty. And you know, again, I'll, I'll mention you know one more time if someone is catching this uh, this workshop in the middle that uh, that the twelve and twelve is a book that was written to broaden and deepen the uh, uh, the, the the principles and uh, uh, the uh, the view of the twelve steps. Um, it was not meant to be an instruction manual for the steps. That's a that's a common mistake uh, that people make. It's an absolutely wonderful book, but it's a sequel. Uh, in, in other words, until you've got working knowledge, or working experience with uh, the steps as they're uh, as as they're laid out in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, the step book is 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 only going to have superficial meaning to you. It's uh, you know what, once you've actually experienced the steps. Uh, the essays in the 12 and 12 really open up. They, they, they blossom uh, until you have experience with the steps uh, out of the book, Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, what, what you're going to be reading is only going to be an intellectual exercise in, uh, in uh, spirituality uh, that you may or may not agree with, but will have no you know, practical application on sure. your recovery from alcoholism. So, uh, so again, we got to know what we're dealing with here when we're dealing with uh, with the twelve and twelve. We're, we're dealing with some wonderful essays that are uh, written, you know, fourteen years after uh, uh, the book Alcoholics Anonymous was was started, twelve years after, and uh, they're they're great in their uh, you know in their perspective. Uh, and Bill Wilson is wonderful when he he describes uh, the alcoholic um, uh, belief systems and. Uh, recovery processes. Uh, but, you know, we always need to go back to the big book for our, our recovery program.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I, and I've got I've to say, I wanted to touch really quickly on the importance of actually following the directions and, and, and going through the literature and how important it is to do that when so many people never even crack it open. And hopefully the people that are listening, um, you know, that's why they're listening. They ha- they have an interest in this thing. I have to tell you, I, I said in a 12-step meeting, Uh, here recently and i heard a person say this is not the easier softer way you're going to work your tail off this is going to be the biggest change in your life and he talks about all this work you got to do and everything and then he summed it up by saying but really only the only thing you have to do is go to meetings and don't drink in between them and i thought wait a minute didn't he just discount everything he just said you know (laughs) so it is really important to be in this stuff
1: well, there's, there's a ton of uh, misunderstanding <laughs> out there. You, you know, some of the 12-step fellowships have devolved into... Uh, programs of meeting attendance, and and you know that's okay unless you're in real trouble. If if you're an alcoholic going to AA meetings uh, and all you do is meeting attendance, you will die quickly or slowly, but you'll die from alcoholism. Uh, if you're a drug addict and you go to uh, to any of any of the, uh, the 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 drug fellowships, NACA or whatever, and you just use meeting attendance. Uh, as a as a process of recovery you're g- you're gonna die quickly or slowly you know but you're you're definitely gonna die sure uh, the, the meetings don't treat the uh, the ism uh, they they provide um, they pr- they provide a fellowship a support group uh, where, whereby we can- You know, you can continue to encourage other people, and they can encourage you to keep living uh, the spiritual uh, practices and principles inherent in the 12 Steps. And that's really what they're for. Uh, Bill Wilson uh, summed it up wonderfully when he said, The sole purpose of an AA group is the teaching and practice of the 12 Steps. That's a direct quote from Bill. You know, really the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. He called himself the co-founder, but really it was it was Bill's deal. Uh, and <clears throat> I'll tell you, you know, that's a strong statement. The the sole purpose of an AA group is the teaching and practice of the twelve steps. And, and yet, and and yet, you know, you can uh, you can become quickly unpopular in some of these twelve-step fellowships by uh by reminding people uh that there is a recovery program and this isn't this isn't uh one dollar group therapy you know without a uh, licensed therapist
0: so quote, make that quote one more time the sole purpose of an aa group is
1: is the teaching and practice of the 12 steps that's a it's a, a direct quote all right and 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 here's another one that i really like a lot uh the sponsors um uh, this, is, this is what a sponsor should do. A, uh, a sponsor's main responsibility is an adequate presentation of the 12 steps to their sponsee. That, that's that's the, the purpose of a sponsor, is to adequately present the 12 steps to their sponsee. That's another direct quote from Bill Wilson. So, you know, I tend to like some of the things that Bill Wilson says. You know, call me, uh, me old-fashioned, Monty. But uh, I, I happen to like his philosophy. I, I happen to like his understanding of what alcoholism is, what hell, what addiction is. Uh, I You know, I, I, I like his perspective. I like his vision uh, of these things. And I'll tell you what, there has never been, never been, a process more efficacious in the recovery of uh, addiction or obsessive compulsive behavior than the twelve step process. So you know there was something going on uh, back in the '30s yeah. when they were when they were uh, putting the building blocks of this thing together.
0: Yeah, you bet. And you know it really is. It's really simple to, to 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 research too. I mean, you look at the success rate back then. You look at it today. Come on, it's a no brainer. You know, do it. Do it when it was being done right. Uh, you know, but that's kind of that's kind of what we do. We just kind of, you know, we listen to slogans like "take what you need and leave the rest." When we first came in and didn't even know what we needed,
1: <laughs> you know, a lot of slogans uh, came into the the support groups from uh, from treatment centers. Uh, a, a lot of them came from just you know inexperienced uh, group members themselves. I'll, get, I'll tell you a story. This is a story of how these things can spread now in some in some twelve step fellowships, they have the upside down think 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 sign okay now somebody somebody said, "You know what does that mean and nobody nobody could really answer that question you know so he he decided he was going to do some serious research on it and here 's what he found out <clears throat> he found out that way back when Somebody that was volunteering at one of uh, at the general service office, who was stuffing envelopes, going out to groups, worked for IBM. And this is IBM when it was just putting computing systems together. You know, we're talking, we're talking the '60s or something, money. Yeah. And and they had these think 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 signs, and he had a whole bunch extra. So without checking with anybody he just thought, you know, I'm gonna stuff these in the envelope too, you know, they're they're pretty cool. So all of a sudden all these groups across America got Got these correspondents from from General Service, and saw the think 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 sign and said, "Oh, a new slogan!" and and that's how it ended up up, up on everybody's wall. <laughs> now, now you know, come on, it, you know, what does it mean? Nobody even knows. You know, they they just took it, you know, they took it as gospel and, and stuffed it up there. And and you know, if you ask a lot of people, what do these slogans mean? They'll they'll have. Fifteen different people will have fifteen different answers uh, you know i don 't want to base uh, my recovery process on something that ambiguous i 'd like to go right back to the source the source the, the source document literature, which is the book Alcoholics Anonymous, which got embellished by the twelve twelve and twelve you know what happens in in so many rooms uh, today month <laughs> is is basically people who have not gone down the scale. Uh, the way it talks about in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous, the low bottoms. Even in even in step one in the step book, it talks about this: people who are barely potential alcoholics. They've just felt the nip of the ringer. Uh, they they still have some power over alcohol. Can show up can show up in Alcoholics Anonymous and drug addicts with who still have some power of choice. Can show up in, in NA or CA or, or, or DAA or whatever, and and they really they really can make a decision uh, to stay separated from drugs uh, or alcohol, and and it works. You know, only, they they're not powerless, uh, but they have a huge history of alcohol or drug abuse, so they identify themselves as alcoholics because their past looks alcoholic, or the past looks like it's it's a, uh, the past of a drug addict. And they come in and they see the this step process as an overreaction uh, to a problem that they've got under control. And they do, okay? Now, what, what happens is those individuals see the people who have to do the steps as, like, what, why? Well, you know, you're, you're flying across the country to, to, to make direct amends to an old employer, you know, who doesn't even remember who you are, why, you know, they'll see it as an, as an overreaction. They, they will not understand that for that individual, because they're alcoholic, if they don't, you know, making that coast-to-coast amend is di- in direct relationship with whether they will put alcohol back in their body or not. I mean, that's the truth for an alcoholic. It's not the truth for a heavy drinker. Mm-hmm. So what's happened is many, many, many heavy drinkers have showed up in, in AA, and many drug abusers have shown up in the in the drug fellowships who don't have to do the steps, and and because there's so many of them, uh, it's listen. If you're brand new and you go into a meeting and there's one guy sharing about having to do all this rigorous work with steps, and there's one guy who just who, who just does sober softball. I mean, who would you go with? You know, I'm going with the softball guy. You sure. know? I, and I don't want. I don't want to go back to school. You know, I didn't come here to go back to school. I'm going with the softball guy. You know, I'm going to get the cookie commitment. You know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to do all this other stuff. And you know, that's really that's really what's happened on a grand scale. You know, over decades in these in these fellowships, they've watered themselves down. Uh, uh, because because of uh, the tradition that if you say you're a member, you are. If you identify as an alcoholic or an addict, you, nobody questions you. And that's, that's, that's the double-edged sword uh, that, uh, that you have to deal with. What, what recovered alcoholics or recovered drug addicts need to do is they need to monitor these meetings for people that are in real trouble and then they need to engage those people. They need to do 12-step work with them. And, you know, sometimes it might take a relapse or two uh, for the person to become convinced that they can't get sober by taking the the cookie commitment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 you know, every time they come back, if they are lucky enough to be able to do that, uh, you know, the recovered individual needs to be there saying, look you know you're 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 not working a program you know you're attending fellowship and you're taking some suggestions but it's not a recovery program you're in real trouble you need to you need to work a program mm-hmm. and you know uh, uh i i think it's i think it's the obligation of the recovered alcoholic or the recovered du- drug addict to do that you know yeah any sense
0: yeah you you bet you bet and there there really needs to be a call to uh to more attentiveness in, in in these areas, and I and I'm hoping that walking through the big book and walking through the twelve by twelve, the people listening to this will will apply and implement the things that that you have shared. It's so important; otherwise, we're just killing ourselves.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think sometimes, and, and I I hate to be be critical of the mothership, but I think I think the the literature that's come out of uh, out of New York and AA and some of the literature that's come out of the other central uh, offices. Uh, uh, you know, for NA, and, and you know, I think that I think that those those offices have contributed to the watering down. I'll give you for uh, I'll give you for instance, Monty, You know, there's a there's a pamphlet in AA called you know on sponsorship. Okay, mm-hmm. you read that thing and or, you know, only the last suggestion does it say you, you know, you might want to work the steps with an individual. All the other stuff is like encouraging them not to drink and you know, you know, encouraging them to be a home group member and, and fellowship 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 fellowship. Now, now that, that's a very irresponsible pamphlet, and there's many such, uh, such writings, you know, that, that come out of New York for AA and come out of the other areas for the other fellowships that, that take the eye off of the prize. The prize is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. That's the prize. Anything that gets in the way of that is an obstacle. So you can load somebody up with all kinds of questions, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, of tricks, and, you know, here's your triggers, uh, and, you know, keep it simple, stupid, and halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You're going to fill somebody's head up with all that stuff. And, and, and basically what you're trying to do when you're doing that is you're trying to help somebody manage an unmanageable life. You, you, you know, we, we need to always remember what the prize is. The prize is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to other alcoholics and practice these principles in all of our affairs. When we're firmly in Step 12, having done uh, the previous 11 and we stay consistent, you know, in step twelve uh, and and the other the other uh, areas of our uh, of our spiritual life. We're recovered and we're going to stay recovered. And we're going, you know, we're not going to drink again. We're not going to use drugs uh, uh, again. It, you know, it's a permanent state of recovery. And, and again, you know, people use slogans like, "Well, you know, I just don't drink a day at a time." Well, well, that's a misuse of. Uh, a one day, one day at a time uh, slogan. Sure. that's a misuse of it. We don't just stop drinking today, Monty. If I just woke up every morning and I said I'm not drinking today, then why would I? Why would I undergo a step process that would take you know like five weeks? Why would I bother if if I'm just just living today? You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. You have to make a decision to quit for good and for all. And, and man, you have to do that out of a sense of desperation. You know, anything anything else is anything else is is just not being truthful with the person you're working with. I don't want to trick somebody into getting sober. I don't want to lie to somebody. You know, getting sober. I want you know I want to tell them what their problem is, and I want to tell them what the solution is, and be be very very honest with that. Yeah. And, and uh, the the solution is not to keep it simple, stupid, and to halt. You, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. amen. Well, you know, after you said all that, I'm going to take my uh, uh, live easy, but think first uh, uh, that are all in framed in the studio here. And I'm going to take the think, think, think one and I'm going to turn it upside down because people are going to ask me, what is that about? And now I can tell them.
1: <laughs> Listen, you know, the slogans are the slogans are like anything else. They're not bad in and of, them. of themselves. We, we right. make them bad by yeah, misinterpreting them but uh, but but again how often are they misinterpreted you know like probably more than they're correctly interpreted
0: absolutely
1: you know first first things first came from you know uh uh, put your house in order and trust God and help others. You know the, 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 that. Right. It, that's basically, the first things first. So what does what, is, what is first things first to some know, mean to somebody who isn't uh, acquainted with the step process? What, what does it mean? What's what's first thing? What, what do I what do I what do I what does that mean? How do I apply that? It, it, it's it's ambiguous.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and and it's open to broad interpretation, which you know I'm not a huge huge fan of because, you know you you know I i want, I need it I need it direct uh, and I need it uh, understandable, and uh, man I can, I've got to get busy with with the right action. You bet. You know, yep. not not just action for actions' sake. I, I need to be paying attention to the correct action.
0: Yeah yeah may you find him now doesn't doesn't mean uh when you feel like it
1: <laughs> yeah you know so so again much literature and much attention uh coming out of out of new york and the other uh, uh central offices have have been about promoting uh the fellowship you know uh making the fellowship more more broad roomy and all inclusive and uh, i'm i'm certainly not going to argue with that as a, as a motive uh, or, or even uh, as a goal, uh, the the pro- the problem is is you know if 95 percent of literature and attention and pamphlets is about the fellowship part of the triangle, and uh, and they're forgetting about the recovery part or the carrying the message to the still suffering alcoholic part or what the message mm-hmm. is that you're supposed to be carrying. Uh, and, you know I have a problem. With that, and uh, and that seems to have been what's what's going on. But yeah. you know, listen, the more people in the fellowships, uh, the more dollars in the basket, and you know, what does that mean?
0: Oh yeah, you bet,
1: you bet. So, uh, money is a great motivator.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Too bad. It is too bad. Yeah.
1: Well, anyway should we start reading I mean, you know, we've we've uh, we've gone off on our tangent uh, as, Oh, that's okay as, as, I... is, as is our want uh for yeah. a while
0: yeah you I think bet. we
1: should probably start reading okay we're on step five page 55 in the 12 steps and 12 traditions <clears throat> admitted to god to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs all of aa's 12 steps ask us to go contrary to our natural desires they all deflate our egos. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than five, but scarcely any step is more necessary to long-term sobriety and peace of mind than this one. Uh, this is a necessary, uh, a necessary step. Uh, well, you know, if if um, if if you were to hear Monty. Uh, that there's somebody in a 12-step fellowship and they're, they're sharing and they share about how they've never done a fifth step and they don't see, they, they saw no reason for it. Please understand that that is not an alcoholic. Or, or if you're in a, an NA or CA meeting, that's not a drug addict. Because they don't survive if they don't do this.
0: If they don't do this, yeah.
1: If you look in, if you look in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, in seven places, when it's going through the fifth step, it says that if you do not do this spiritual exercise, you will get drunk again. Uh, it says it seven different times, and, and you know that uh, they were not kidding when they talked about how important this is. There's a freedom uh, to this step when, when we unburden all of these secrets that we've been carrying, the character defects that we're ashamed of in ourselves. When we unburden them and we actually admit them to somebody else and to to God and to ourselves, that's when they start to lose power uh, over us. That's when we start to move away from them. That's that's the moment we start to go from a self-centeredness to a selflessness. Mm -hmm. You know, we start to get off of the foundation that we've built on selfishness and start moving toward uh, compassion uh, toward uh, understanding, uh, toward a, a true uh, holistic or spiritual perspective,
0: and this hits right—this hits right dead center of a very basic biblical principle: healing comes from confession one to another.
1: It, it you know, it, it really does. Um, listen, we all fall short in word, thought, or deed. To think that you are perfect is to think that you are God. And, you know, the great book that was written on uh, the history of Alcoholics Anonymous was called Not God. And the whole premise about that was these alcoholics running around the world acting like they were God, the recovery process was all about all about. Uh, focusing them on the fact that they were not God. <laughs> you know? And and the person uh, that wrote that book, a phenomenal book, uh, he, he was very scholarly, very astute. Uh, he did tons and tons of research, and that's what he basically came up with. That he came up with uh, that as an idea. The, the alcoholic is someone who, whether they admit it or not, think that they are the center of the universe. And need to uh, need to change that perception, change that perspective. Yeah. Uh, AA experience has taught us we cannot live alone with our pressing problems and the character defects which cause or aggravate them. If we have swept the searchlight of step four back and forth over our careers, and it has revealed in stark relief those experiences we'd rather not remember, if we have come to know how wrong thinking and action have hurt us and others then the need to quit living by ourselves with those tormenting ghosts of yesterday get more urgent than ever. We have to talk to somebody about them. So intense, though, is our fear and reluctance to do this that many AAs at first try to bypass step five. We search for an easier way, which usually consists of the general and fairly painless admission that when drinking we were sometimes bad actors. Then, for good measure, we add dramatic descriptions of that part of our drinking behavior, which our friends probably know about anyhow. But of the things which really bother and burn us, we say nothing. Certain distressing or humiliating memories we tell ourselves ought not be shared with anyone. These will remain our secret. Not a soul must ever know we hope they'll go to the grave with us. Yet, if A.J.'s experience means anything at all, this is not only unwise, but it is actually a perilous resolve. Few muddled attitudes have caused us more trouble than holding back on step five. Some people are unable to stay sober at all. Others will relapse periodically until they really clean house. Even AA old-timers, sobers for years, often paid dearly for skipping this step. They will tell how they tried to carry the load alone, how much they suffered of irritability, anxiety, remorse, and depression, and how unconsciously seeking relief they would sometimes accuse even their best friends of the very character defects they themselves were trying to conceal they always discovered that relief never came by confessing the sins of other people. Everybody had to confess his own. Right on. You know, there's brilliant sentences in so much of this. Uh, If you hold back on step six, Bill is saying if you try to carry your load alone, you're going to suffer irritability, anxiety, remorse, and depression (laughs) if you hold back on step five. So... If you do step 5, I'm going to say that it treats depression, anxiety, remorse and irritability. It's a treatment for that. Now, I'm not talking about if you're clinically depressed or if you have if you have a certain anxiety disorder that's biochemical I'm talking about the ninety five percent of people that come into a recovery fellowship who have anxiety, remorse, depression, and irritability, which is all you know, almost you know, at least probably more than ninety five percent, the treatment for that is, is is the is step five. Step five is at least the beginning of that treatment. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. And and, and I, I want to interject here, Chris. Uh, you know, something something that, that my first sponsor taught me that was really, uh, it was revolutionary for me. It it did so much for me. He said, you know, it's one thing, and this was after I'd done my fifth step with him, he said, now, it's one thing to admit all these things that you did, but it can be a totally different deal to admit that you're still doing some of them.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's actually true. But to get free of, doing them. Yeah. <laughs> because we lack power. We don't lack good judgment. Right. We we lack power. To be able to stop doing them, we need to engage in this recovery process, And that's
0: what happened to me. I mean, because I tried to stop doing certain things and, and, you know, but, you know, I look back on it now and um, those were the very things I weren't, wasn't willing to discuss with anybody because I was so afraid. I was so fearful that, that it was okay that they knew I used to do them, but if they knew that I was still doing some of them, they would run. And what happened was, they didn't run, and and that was so freeing.
1: Yeah, you, you know, um, I, I do, uh, I do ha- have to have to agree, agree with you, Mani. I You know, I believe so much in the spiritual practices that they teach us uh, in this book. Yeah, uh, I, <clears throat> and and you know, no, none of us are. It was tur- there's a, there's a great line in here we haven't gotten to it yet but it basically says defective relationships are almost the co- uh, uh, almost always the cause of our immediate woes you know defective relationships that are predicated on our character defects <laughs> you know so so uh, we 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 so need to be working on this stuff you know the average person your mailman or you know the, the average person out there on the street doesn't necessarily have to focus every day on living a better life to survive but the alcoholic or the drug addict does because it's those character defects that that leads to the obsession to drink yeah you know it's directly tied into it you bet this practice of admitting one's defects to another person is of course very ancient it has been validated in every century and it characterizes the lives of all spiritually centered and truly religious people But today, religion is by no means the sole advocate of this saving principle. Psychiatrists and psychologists point out the deep need every human being has for practical insight and knowledge of his own personality flaws and for a discussion of them with an understanding and trustworthy person. So far as alcoholics are concerned, AA would go even further. Most of us would declare that without a fearless admission of our defects to another human being, we could not stay sober. It seems plain that the grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsessions until we are willing to try this. Wow, that's another brilliant mm-hmm. sentence. The grace of God is basically the power that we we lack, and we lack the type of grace that removes our obsession to drink, to, to be exposed to that grace, to move away from the selfish, self-centered uh, spotlight that we're on, uh, we need to humble ourselves with this step and admit our fallibility so that the grace, so that the sunlight of the Spirit can shine in on us. The grace of God will not enter to expel our destructive obsessions until we're willing to try this. Now, it's amazing that, you know, uh, that this is the recovery process. I mean, think, think about it, Monty. You know, you know how many people really don't want this to be the recovery process you know how many treatment centers and how many psychiatrists and how many medical doctors really don't want the grace of god to be the recovery process for people this is very very difficult to uh it's very difficult to access if you're a professional and it's very hard to charge for it (laughs) you know what i mean
0: sure yeah, because once you start suggesting that, you get all sort of sorts of political voices coming in saying you now you're being religious and all this baloney.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know um, how, how do you how do you basically say uh, a that you're alcoholic and cannot manage your own life? God, if God uh, couldn't, would if you were sought, you know, may you find him now? Uh, and here's your bill for twenty yeah. grand. I mean, <laughs>
0: you,
1: you have to do something else, uh, you know. So. So, again, I've come to the conclusion over the course of time that it's very, very difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very, very difficult to have a process that's actually going to work for drug addicts and alcoholics and charge for it. You know, usually, usually if you charge for it, it's not going to work. If it's going to work, you can't charge for it. It's, it, it, it's you know, what AA learned 100 years ago. What are we likely to receive from step five? For one thing, we shall get rid of that terrible sense of isolation we've always had. Almost without exception, alcoholics are tortured by loneliness. Even before our drinking got bad and people began to cut us off, nearly all of us suffered the feeling that we didn't quite belong. Either we were shy and dared not draw near others, or we were apt to be noisy good fellows craving attention and companionship, but never getting it, at least to our way of thinking. There was always that mysterious barrier we can neither surmount nor understand. It was as if we were actors on a stage suddenly realizing that we did not know a single line of our parts. That's one reason we loved alcohol too well. It did let us act extemporaneously. But even Bacchus boomeranged on us, and we were finally struck down and left in terrified loneliness. What an what a in, insightful paragraph this is. This is basically pointing to how we have separated ourselves from man and from God. Now the cause is alcoholism, but alcoholism can be a self-imposed crisis that we've we've placed on ourselves. We can play a part in this, but we have separated ourselves so far away from man and from God that we do not feel a part of anymore. We feel apart from. Everything revolves around us and we are not holistic with anything. We are not one with anything. You know, uh, some, some of the greatest spiritual masters of the last 2,000 years, at the end of all of the lessons that they give, they talk about oneness, about being one with God and with man. Uh, the, the, when, you, when you see a truly holy man, they have an incredible amount of compassion, because that compassion comes from understanding that the suffering of others is the suffering of them. You know, they're they are, they are as close to one with God and man as they can possibly be, these truly holy men. Even Einstein, Einstein, came, uh, Einstein basically had a statement one time where he said, mankind's biggest delusion is they believe there's more than one of them here. you know what i mean like listen they are uh, mankind is our brothers and our sisters monty you know that that's what jesus wanted us to 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 believe that's what all of the all the holy people uh, believe i believe that's what god wants god wants us to be taking care of his other children you know so this paragraph is incredibly insightful it talks about that separation and how we need to we need to we need to uh, escape from that separation,
0: and and that that is a worldwide issue. I mean, you know, w- without without delving into the complications of codependency and controlling and all that stuff, we are in fact our brother's keeper, but we don't want to be. I mean, we 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 think and, you know, as you were talking about and describing uh, this person that's either you know really, really shy or they're just, you know, seeking attention because they don't get the attention that they feel they should get. Um That was me. That was me all over the place. I was um, I was getting all sorts of attention, but it wasn't to my expectations. And therefore, I never saw it. I I people say, well, man, people love you. People like you. And, and I couldn't believe them because my eyes were blinded to that. And it was all about me. And, and until I learned that one of the reasons i'm here is to help take care of my brother and my sister and to to have i mean one of the basic things of alcoholics anonymous is is the hand being there for the still suffering alcoholic not being there for for me
1: yeah oh absolutely it's yeah. all about helping others and yeah. everything all the whole step process is preparing us to be uh of maximum benefit to other people that's what this whole process yeah. is about right on When we reached AA for the first time in our lives, uh, stood among people who seemed to understand, the sense of belonging was tremendously exciting. We thought the isolation problem had been solved, but we soon discovered that while we weren't alone anymore in a social sense, we still suffered many of the old pangs of anxious apartness. Until we had talked with complete candor of our conflicts and had listened to someone else do the same thing, we still didn't belong. Step five was the answer. It was the beginning of a true kinship. With man and God,
0: mm. you know, I
1: love these paragraphs. Uh, here's here's how I felt prior to uh, the step process month. They, they talk about the act. Depending on who I was with, there was a movie one time that Woody Allen did, and it was called Zelig, and he was a human chameleon. So, uh, so you know, it was a great movie. It was about whoever this guy was with, he would morph into them as uh, as as a. Uh, a survival reaction, like a chameleon would. So you know, here's here's Woody Allen with uh, with a bunch of Nazis, and he turns he he turns into a Nazi, and he's he ends up being with a bunch of Hasidic Jews, and he turns into a Hasidic Jew. He like morphs into these different these different personas. I related a lot to that movie when I saw it because that's basically what I did. If I was sitting in a bar with a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of Republicans, I would be talking Republican talk. If I was sitting there with a bunch of Democrats, I'd be talking Democratic talk. I, I had such a lack of identity, really, about who I was, and and I had such a, a lack of uh, of confidence in myself that. I, I knew I had to play a role, and I did this with my bosses, and I did this with my relationships. And, you know, I, I was never uh, authentic. Uh, I was always uh, uh, port- portraying something or so- somebody that I, I, I thought would be the most acceptable at that period of time. Yeah. And, and that's truly being trapped. That's truly being caught in, uh, in, in something that's very uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, that's that's real binding. That's that, that's a that's a form of bondage that many people never see their way out of.
1: That's true. This final step was also the means by which we begin to get the feeling that we could be forgiven, no matter what we had thought or done. Often it was while working on this step with our sponsors or spiritual advisors that we first felt truly able to forgive others, no matter how deeply we felt they had wronged us. Our moral inventory had persuaded us. That all around forgiveness was desirable, but it was only when we resolutely tackled step five that we inwardly knew we'd be able to receive forgiveness and give it to you know walking away from my first this step, Monty, this was the feeling I had up until that exercise of reading my four. Uh, I believed that I was truly some kind of a scumbag. Like, like, like really deeply inside, I, I could pretend to be wonderful, but truly deeply inside, I was a scumbag. And what happened was, after I read the whole Megillah, you know, the entire, you know, document of 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 tragedy, of uh, of character defects and human failings, after I read that entire document to somebody. He looked at me and he basically said, "Well, oh, that's not that's not so bad. We, you know, we can deal with that." <laughs> and you know, I started to believe that. Uh, I started to believe that you know I was not not a not a failed human you know I, you know yes i had some problems and some issues but uh but this guy looked at me and said he said look chris here's here's what i believe he goes i, be, I believe that you know prior to your recovery process you know you were just waiting for a drink or a drug and you know when you started that pattern your life blew up. You know. Now look. Now look at you. You are. You are actively embarking on a recovery process. You're engaged in doing spiritual work, so that you will outgrow these character defects and become uh, a, a more caring and, and uh, you know rational individual. You know, lighten up on yourself. He was basically saying. You know. So I walked away from that exercise, Monty. For the first time in decades, believing that you know what I'm not—I'm not so so fallible, I, you know—I'm I'm not so so pathetic. I'm not so uh, sinful, and uh, I, I am. I'm trying. I'm trying to overcome an illness. That part of the illness, part of what presents in the illness, are these character defects and 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 the harms that they cause you know I'm I'm really trying to overcome this I'm a, I'm part of a very small percentage of of people who are working these steps to to overcome uh this this uh this this illness that's both spiritual, mental and physical. Uh so I started to to become okay with myself at that point. I mean, listen, it was going to take a lot more work, but I started to become okay with myself at that point in time. Hmm.
0: Yeah, let me let me uh let me ask you something. I I was uh in a very interesting 12-step meeting the other the other evening and a gentleman who is perceived by a lot of folks as, as having a lot of knowledge and wisdom who is so off track when it comes to the, uh, the the instructions that are in the literature of Alcoholics Anonymous, he said that um, the topic was character defects and he said, uh, God never takes away any of my character defects. All my character defects are intact and though I ask him to have him removed. Uh, none of them ever get taken away. And I was thinking about that that part where it says, uh, there, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but the reason that we ask for our character defects to be removed so we could be maximum service to others. Well, if we're going to be a maximum service to others, that would suggest that some of those character defects are removed. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, you know, I think, I think the person has stalled out in the step process is what I think. Uh, You know, the best possible atmosphere for the removal of character defects is becoming willing to have God remove those defects of character, humbly asking God to remove them, becoming willing to make amends to the the people and institutions that those defects of character have harmed, and actually going out and making direct amends to those, uh, those people in those institutions that want us harmed. Uh, I can almost guarantee you right now that this person has uh, a pocket full of unfinished amends. So, yeah, if you don't finish the process, you can't count on removal of character defects. And again, you know, we always have the ability of self to reemerge. As they talk about in this literature, the ego will reemerge, which basically means we'll start to be, become selfish again. Yeah. Uh, we always have that ability, but absolutely, these defects of character can become removed. You know, God either is or he isn't, Monty. Yeah, that's, that's you that's know it. what I mean. Yeah,
0: and and there are there are I I you know there are specific things that I used to do that were definitely manifestations of character defects. I just don't do them anymore, Chris. They're just not part of my makeup.
1: You know, I, I, believe, I believe that God is directly responsible for, uh, uh, for, the, for these, uh, these character defects uh, being removed. I, you know, they're too big for just me. However, <clears throat> I need to cooperate in their removal. It says in, in Step 6 or 7, I don't remember which one, God will not render you white as snow without your cooperation. So for the removal of character defects, we, we, we have to cooperate from our sense of self. You know, because they are they are they are bigger than us, but they absolutely get removed. And you know what? They they don't get removed when we want them to. We have to we have to participate in their removal, and we have to always be willing, uh, you know, to to do the next step or, or take you know uh, apply the next spiritual principle. But uh, we're not completely in charge of when they get removed. But I'll tell you what: I'm glad that I wasn't, because you know the the defective character that got removed quickly. Were the ones that were making me scared to talk to other AAs or other other people in in the recovery processes. Uh, I was afraid to share in meetings. I was afraid to uh, to be honest with other people, and those character defects were some of the first that would leave. And you know, and then I, I continued to have road rage for about four or five years. You know, and and I would pray for its removal. You know, please remove this. You know, if somebody was doing thirty and a forty mile an hour, I, you know, I would tailgate them. You know, an inch off their bumper, and to find out that they're pulling into the meeting that I'm going to. You know, and. and you know, <laughs> this would happen constantly and uh and one day one day i found myself only driving the one car doing the speed limit huh it was like it was like that defect was removed i didn't have to struggle myself away from it it was it was uh it was removed you know what i mean
0: yeah wow that's great
1: so anyway, i think we're going to have to finish up uh finish this step up again uh next week uh we where- All righty We were much too long-winded this week to get the whole thing done, Monty.
0: Well, that's okay, because uh, I don't know. God hasn't
1: removed long-windedness from uh, us. Yeah, there you go. It's not our fault.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have a friend that says it wasn't my fault. It was just something I did. I
1: got nothing to do with it. I, it for, I asked Chris
0: for, for more. Well, folks, I hope you've enjoyed uh, this episode of Walking Through the Twelve Steps and Twelve Traditions with Chris and myself. Uh, if you have uh, any questions or comments, please email us here at Take Twelve Radio at Comcast dot net. Uh, this uh, whole series will be made available as soon as we uh, finish up with it on an audio DVD as well. And uh, remember, we still uh, have and will always, as long as. Uh, I have the machinery to to duplicate. Uh, We'll be offering Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder as well. If you have a convention and Chris is speaking at it, it's a good thing to order some of these things to have them available for you. Uh, If you you want them in bulk, we can do that and give you a special rate on them. Uh, Otherwise, they're $25 a piece, which is really, Chris, is an absolute. I mean, if if you were in the old days when you got tapes, remember those? You get these big to It's going
1: to end up being less than a dollar an hour and uh, yeah. and i will tell you this by uh, by purchasing him you're you're supporting take 12 radio and you know uh monty's much too humble to say this on his own but uh he he does this uh, out of out of the love of the game if anybody out there thinks he's making a lot of money off of this <laughs> they are completely wrong this is a mission this is a mission so please help support the mission uh whether it's by a donation or whether it's by purchasing uh uh purchasing the products that take 12 sells
0: Thanks, brother. I I really appreciate that. All right. Well, it's been another wonderful show. Remember, folks, we're wishing God's perfect serenity for you. Bye-bye. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.